0: You're listening to Breaking the Silence, a podcast by Reach 10, where we're creating a culture of courage, compassion, and connection to overcome the shame, silence, and fear that often surrounds topics such as sexuality and pornography. We're your hosts, Chriselle Simons and Creed Orm.
1: Welcome back, listeners, to our Breaking the Silence podcast. We're so glad to have you again listening in, and we're really looking forward to you hearing this discussion that we're going to have with Bree Ann Swanner. And, Bree, we're so lucky to have you. Thank you so much for joining us. Can you please uh, give us a little bio of yourself?
2: Absolutely. So my name is Bree, I'm 26 years old. I'm originally from Taylorsville, Utah, but I moved to Des Moines, Iowa about two years ago with my husband. I work in special education. I work in a classroom with some awesome kids who um, need feeding tubes and they're in wheelchairs and they use communication devices and I love it. (laughs) Best job ever. I served a mission in the Oregon Eugene mission and I think that's about it.
1: Wonderful. Well, on this podcast today, we're answering the question Can I find peace with my partner's pornography use? And this refers to any point or stage in which a partner is trying to get off of pornography use, because we know it can very much be an ongoing battle. So, how does a partner deal with that, you know, the consistent battle, and find peace with it? and Bree is specifically here to help us answer this question today. And so what brings you here today? What do you uh, want to share with us?
2: Awesome, so I, I have kind of a unique story when it comes to pornography. Um, my husband and I met at an addiction recovery meeting. And so the first words I ever heard out of his mouth were my name is Ian and I have an addiction to pornography. And I feel like you don't hear that every day. <laughs> But it was um, a really awesome way for us to meet, actually, because we were able to really have a good foundation um, with communication and with knowing things about each other that you wouldn't just know someone that you met any other way. So we were married shortly after we met, and
0: we're working on our happily ever after. (laughs) Wonderful. And it's so great to meet you, Bree, and thank you so much. I Always feel like it's such an honor to have people come on and share a little bit of their story on this podcast because our stories are really sacred. We learn about so much about ourselves through the experiences we go through, and to be able to to learn from your wisdom is an honor. And I especially love this question because no matter what your experiences are in life, you're going to have to come to peace with choices that your partner has made especially if pornography has been a part of that really like if you have a pulse you're going to have to come to peace with with that so i think that this is going to be such a good discussion for us because the principles are so necessary and needed in our marriages so brie what do you feel like has maybe been the thing that's helped you especially because i mean meeting your husband that was the first thing you knew about him Uh, is that pornography was part of the experience. Um, (laughs) What has helped you to come to peace with that? That's
2: an awesome question. I would say that
0: it was a lot of things combined.
2: You know, it was a journey. I obviously, it wasn't a deal breaker for me hearing about his pornography struggles, but I wouldn't say that I was at peace with it until more recently. And we've, you know, been married for two years. So it's it's been a journey. But I think that something that really, really just changed our our direction, our course that we were taking, was when the narrative inside my head was no longer, my husband is hurting me, but when it turned to my husband is hurting. When I understood what pornography was for him and what it meant when I started asking him more questions about it, my whole perspective changed and I was able to Then start supporting my husband rather than just feeling like this was a really big struggle in our marriage that was going to continually hurt me all the time and that I just let kind of control my life.
0: I think that, that is so beautiful way to shift your story. That's not an easy. I feel like it's like yeah. And then one day I woke up and I shifted my story. Um, <laughs> that's what it feels like when when we tell that. Like I know that that took a ton of work on your part, but I also I respect that so much because one of my favorite principles that I've learned from therapy and in practicing therapy and going through it myself is that the story that we tell ourselves is actually more important and more powerful than even the experience itself. Mm. And I think that that's really interesting because we have control over what we choose to believe and what we choose to tell ourselves. And the shift that you made, it was subtle, right? It's like, instead of your husband's, my husband's hurting me to now, like my husband's hurting, right? Like that's just like, literally like one word, (laughs) one word changed. But that shift is monumental in the way that you view him and yourself i imagine and, and your relationship and i i just want to applaud that shift and celebrate it um but i also want to know like what helped you get to the place where you could shift that story mm,
2: i think a lot of it was i had finally found a resource. I listened to a podcast that just really struck home with me because it wasn't something that I'd done a lot of research on. It was something that I just kind of kept between me and my husband. I didn't talk to anybody about it. I didn't go searching for anything. It was just a podcast that I happened to listen to that was about marriage and they just happened to do something about pornography one time. And when I listened to it, it really was just like, whoa. they talked about how pornography can be kind of a coping strategy sometimes. And I think that that was the first time that I had heard someone talk about it in a way that didn't make me feel like everyone just thought that people who struggle with pornography were like perverts or something, right? Like I, I always felt that people thought, you know, these horrible things about them. And then here I listened to these people that I respected and admired and listened to often. And they kind of, you know, gave me permission to believe that, that people who struggle with pornography were not always awful people. Obviously I knew they weren't, but it was relieving to me that other people also believed that, that I heard other people talking about it.
1: That sounds awesome. Uh, Do you mind sharing what this resource was where you learned these principles?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So it's on the Mormon marriages podcast and it's an episode that is called changing the narrative around pornography with Dr. Cameron Staley.
0: Awesome. We will link that in our show notes and reference that because I love podcasts. Obviously we're <laughs> on a podcast, <laughs> but I I think that there's so many great resources out there, especially in regards to marriages and how to improve our lives and our relationships. So love that. I especially, I thought it was really interesting, but something that helps shift for you and this is just what i heard and correct me if i'm wrong is that it's like they gave you permission to view your husband as a person and and to view him in his experience more clearly than maybe what you had been experiencing
1: Mm -hmm. brie before in preparation for this podcast we talked about some main points that we were going to address one of those is being okay to have the hard uncomfortable conversations with a partner who's struggling with pornography use. It sounds like, like you said, probably pretty easily off the bat you were able to address things since like we know you met your husband in a 12-step meeting. I'm sure there's times when it's of course still uncomfortable. How do you broach these subjects? How do you approach them? And how do you keep having them? What are your what are some of your tips on them? And and what do you even talk about?
2: Yeah. So I think that these conversations are vital. Um, They're so important. I would honestly say that it's because of these conversations that my husband and I can have a successful marriage with or without pornography. Like we were able to be as close as we are because of these conversations that we had around this topic. It just kind of broke down so many barriers for us. But the kinds of conversations that, that I have are the conversations where I ask him all kinds of things that probably make him feel uncomfortable, but also just help us to feel closer. I like to ask him when he's had a relapse, like what he was feeling beforehand, what sort of things, you know, just learning about his experience. What, what did he feel during? What does he feel after? What types of things does he look at? And I know those are really hard things to hear. Those are things that you never want to hear, right? You don't want to know that your husband is looking at someone who isn't you. That's never going to be an easy conversation. That's never going to make you feel good. That's never going to be comfortable. But it will help to understand a little bit more if you ask the things that that maybe people like to not get into because they don't make you feel great. But I think they're the things that helped me to understand more what the struggle was that my husband was having and, and why he was having this struggle. And I just think it's important to ask, you know, anything that you have a question about. If there's anything at all with your spouse's pornography use that you have a question about, then you should probably ask that question. Because a lot of times, like you said, the stories that we tell ourselves are so important. And I would say that more often than not, the stories that we tell ourselves are inaccurate. We don't know everything about our spouse. As much as we think we know them more than anyone else, we don't know everything. And their story is going to be one of the most important for us to find peace with their experience. We need to go deeper into what they're feeling and they're thinking and they're experiencing.
1: I like that. So asking to get an accurate picture, asking to get a reality picture of where they're coming from, what they're doing, why they're doing it, things like that helps us to change that story as well.
0: What does it sound like or what what is it like for you? Do you get to share maybe your experiences with his I mean, because that is really uncomfortable and hard for you. And I imagine that it brings up emotions for you. It, and and what does that sound like when do you share as well? Um, maybe that's a different conversation. What is that like for you? Oftentimes,
2: I... I try to make it a different conversation. It it wasn't that way in the beginning. In the beginning with our journey, it would be that my husband said I had a relapse and then I spent the next several hours bawling. (laughs) And I would just try not to have those conversations or I would have the conversation to the point that it wasn't going to help anything, right? It was just me being mad at him and me being like, how could you do this? Um, But now those conversations are a little bit more where when he has a relapse, I'm like, okay, let's get down to the bottom of this, right? Like, I'm sorry, you're having a bad day. Let's talk about it. What happened? Rather than just being like, oh my goodness, are you kidding me? (laughs) But um, yeah, I, I think it's so important for those conversations on both sides. Just like I might have a question for my husband, he certainly doesn't know everything that I'm thinking about his his experiences. he doesn't know how I feel about it right if I don't tell him and so I think it's very very important because my my emotions and my experience are just as important as his are I know that this is um sometimes women kind of feel like oh this is his thing and I'm just gonna be there for him and we don't have to talk about how it makes me feel um But I feel like it's really healthy if you're both sharing, if you're both experiencing something together, that's how you grow together in it is if you're both sharing what you feel about it. Um, And so I would say, yeah, like if if you have a husband or a partner who is um, struggling with pornography, don't hold back what you're feeling. Go ahead and have those conversations where you say, this is what I feel about it. This is what I need from you. And just really try to be 100% open, even if it doesn't feel awesome at first to share those things.
1: And I'm sure that it, like we often say, it takes two to tango. Your partner will have to be willing to engage in these conversations, willing to acknowledge, address, and validate your own feelings while holding sacred and, and recognizing their own as well. Is that something that comes naturally for your relationship with your partner or have you had to work on having that tango-ness going on uh that that working together on it have you had to work on that a lot or does that just come naturally
0: first of all i just want to acknowledge the fact that you said tango-ness and i think that that's a great word
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> things up. <laughs>
2: yeah clarify that question if it comes natural for what exactly
1: like has your partner always been willing to engage in those uncomfortable conversations or have you both had to work on working through getting offended work through getting just so upset you can't have the conversations what's that process been like for you
2: Okay, yeah, I, I would say it has been a process. <laughs> um, there were definitely times when I felt like I had to poke and prod a little bit more because he didn't want to necessarily open up right away there are definitely times where i would ask him a question and i would wait a good 15 minutes to get an answer because it was hard to get the words out right this isn't necessarily the kind of conversation that comes naturally or that's easy and so it definitely takes work and it takes patience i think overall but once your spouse knows that whatever you say that you're still going to be there for them whatever comes out of their mouth that you're going to love and respect and hold space for them then those conversations get easier and they get they get more frequent and they get shorter and they get you know like they're just they become more natural the more often you have them and i'm not saying that you know that you have to just be okay with whatever your spouse says, because there's definitely times that whatever comes out of their mouth is gonna be hurtful to you in some way. Um, Not always on purpose, but sometimes just because we can get offended through this experience. And I think it's just important to apologize and to, to forgive. I think throughout all of people's experiences with pornography, forgiveness is huge. And so you just have to kind of be willing to be there together through all of it and, and you'll get out on the other side much better if you do it together. And if you do it lovingly and kindly
0: and patiently, I really love that because something that I really love that you've touched on it in a couple of your, of the things that you've shared is just the need to understand each other. And I think that that's easier said than done, right? Like seek first to understand and then be understood. So (laughs) easy to say, lot harder to do especially when I'm pissed off um (laughs) but like I I think that some of the principles that you've hit on like really help you and your husband get there quicker and one of those is like having curiosity and just being willing to hold the space for each other and willing to to sit in the silence like yes I did just ask you that question and I'm gonna wait (laughs) (laughs) and, and I know that that's not easy. Um, and I can only imagine how difficult this journey has been for both of you. Beautiful, beautiful journey, right? But also difficult. So where have you found support through this journey? What does support look like for you? That's an awesome
2: question. At the beginning, I didn't have it and it was, hard for me because I felt like, like, yes, this isn't my problem, but I'm experiencing it along with my husband and it affects me, you know, it affects me deeply and I need to be able to talk to someone who isn't emotionally involved, who this isn't going to just bring tears to our conversation, someone who can help me through my thoughts and so I had the idea, I came to my husband and I said, Hey, well, this isn't something that you like talking about to other people. I know this isn't something that you want people knowing. So do you have one person that you trust that I can talk to about this? And you can, you can tell me whoever you want me to talk to about this, but I need someone. And he told me that I could talk to my best friend about it. And so I would call her <laughs> after he would have relapses and it was just really good to be able to have someone. But I still felt that I needed more than just that. And so I sought out groups, support groups, and I found kind of the opposite of support. <laughs> it was a really big struggle for me because I would go to people with questions and be like, hey, how do you not take this personally? You know, I'm having a hard time not feeling like it's my fault. And someone would come back with the answer that, You just have to realize that, like, this isn't going to change and that your husband just isn't attracted to you, that he doesn't love you, and all these things that I 100% didn't believe. And I trusted my husband. I loved my husband. I knew my husband loved me because we have a wonderful relationship. And so I just decided, like, hey, this is not the outlet for me. And I left that group almost immediately. And then I decided that the need for support was so big that there are places I think oftentimes in Utah too like there are support groups that go along with the addiction recovery program that are specifically for wives of people um, who struggle with pornography but in Iowa I didn't have that I searched for it and there was nothing and so I decided I was going to start my own support group and that it would be for people who Um, wanted to stay in a marriage with someone, someone who wanted to have the hard conversations, a group for people who were struggling and needed support so that they could support their spouse. And it's been through that group now that I've been able to find a lot of the support that I was seeking.
0: Great, way to have the courage to make your own group. That is so amazing. Also, I just want to celebrate this. I want to celebrate the fact that you were willing to walk away from that support group that was not supporting you um, because that's sometimes hard. We often talk on this podcast about how important it is to go to therapy and how important it is to go to like support groups and, and those kind of things. Sometimes they're not perfect. They're not great. They really aren't. And, and I found myself in a group like that once where I was like, this is not working for me. and I never went back right and I'm so glad that I did because if had I continued in that group and continued just like the way that their thought processes were going I would totally still be in my like victim mentality and like stuck so way to go Brie way to way to recognize like this is not what no like this is not the kind of support that I need and this is the kind of support that I need and way to create that yourself I just you rock.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And to go tag along with that. So courageous and incredible that you were able to make your own support group and find people who, who could come together and, and you made it like, that's so awesome. What a great example for others who, if they're in areas of the country or in cities where they're not getting support, they need, there's there's your example there maybe look look to create a support group or join yours your yours is on Facebook right are you open to sharing what the name of that is and and uh how people can find it
2: absolutely so it's called wives of porn addicts a support group for the supportive and you can find that just by searching on
0: Facebook that's awesome yes i love this i also think like okay so COVID has been the worst i (laughs) it really has but at the same time there's been some things that have come from it that i think are great i think all meetings should probably just be online because it's so much easier you don't have to worry about a commute time like (laughs) you're able to get it done so much and and i think that it's created more access to resources that maybe you didn't have once either right like for example your facebook group or um there's a lot of support groups that are now online so you can access them from your own home you don't have to get up the courage to like show up in person and it can be states away right like it can be across the world and i think that that is so such a blessing such a blessing that we have utilized technology more because otherwise, we're isolated and stuck. So, perfect.
1: And you've mentioned in in preparation, once again, for the episode that we need to find support for ourselves before we can support a partner.
2: I think it's important because it is a journey. Like, I've been on all spectrums of being the spouse of somebody who's struggling with pornography. You know, like I said, I've been on the crying for hours and now I've been on, you know, the side of it where my husband can come to me and it's not going to ruin my day. It's not going to affect me as much as it used to. Um, And I think that part of getting to the point where you have so, so much support, so then you can support them like the very start of that journey is knowing that it's okay to not be okay, right? Like somebody isn't gonna be where I'm at right now on their first day of this journey. It's okay to not be okay with where your spouse is. It's okay to to really struggle and to feel lost. I think that most often the women in my group who are new to this situation, who have just found out about their, their partner, they often use the word "lost." They just feel so lost. They don't know what to do or where to turn. And I think it's okay to, to take time for yourself and to figure out how you feel about it. And then once you have come to a better place, once you're not just completely crushed and ruined because it is, you know, when it's a fresh experience, those feelings are so fresh. <laughs> They're so real and so heavy. And there's no way that in the middle of the newness of it all that you can truly support your spouse as much as you want to. So I think, you know, it's okay to take time, find support for yourself so that you can then support your spouse. Because I feel like there's nobody who knows how to support your spouse through this better than you do.
0: Beautiful. I just kept thinking of like the you got to put the mask on yourself first before you put it on your kid on the airplane, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or whoever's next to you. You have to put it on first because you can't take from an empty bucket. You can't <laughs> you can't give what you don't currently have, right? Mm-hmm. And and Bree, I think that you have said that so perfectly and beautifully. And I think coming back to where we started, coming to peace with our partner's experience with pornography or with anything in your partner's past or present or future is not going to be, I think, a one-time journey. I think it's going to be something that you're on. It's going to be an ongoing experience, right? But it is something that is possible and it is really freeing. I think to to come to a place of understanding and love and compassion mm-hmm. at that level for your partner, right? And hopefully like you always have that and sometimes you might not, right? Mm-hmm. Bree, I just, again, am so honored to be able to have held the space for you to share your experience and your wisdom with us. And, and I want to know if there's anything else you want to share with our listeners, like any other bits or pieces that you've learned from this journey that you're like, this really helped me.
2: I would just say, to not take responsibility for your partner's actions. It's really hard, and I, I say this especially as a woman, not to feel like it's something that's wrong with me, right? Not like my my partner is struggling with this because they're not attracted to me or because it's something that I'm doing. I'm not enough in some way. And just like you're not responsible for their actions, you're not responsible for fixing them either. Like I, I said, it's great to support your spouse through this. They will need and Love having your support, but that doesn't mean that you need to be in charge. You don't have to go and tell them, This is how you're going to get through this, and this is what your action plan is. I feel like the times that I have tried doing that for my husband have not been successful. I don't know what he needs, but I can love him through his journey and I can be a cheerleader for him, but I don't have to take charge of it.
1: That's so important to recognize. I'm so glad you brought up that point. We can only you know support and and help but it's primarily whoever's issue it is it's their issue and and i'm so glad you have been able to come to a point of understanding where it's not it's not about you which is which is freeing kind of like what uh chris shell said freeing to know oh it's not that i'm doing something wrong um i'm so glad you're there and we all need to come to that uh that point Um, if our, if our partner's struggling. Any other thoughts, anything else that you have for our listeners?
2: I would just say, know that you're not alone. (laughs) It is, it is really lonely sometimes going through this, whether you are the person who is viewing pornography, or you are the person who is in a relationship with someone who is viewing pornography. It, can often feel like like there's no one out there who understands the deepness of your pain that you're going through but i just want you to know that there is a huge community of people that do and that you can reach out to them you can find them Um, especially like we say we want to have people having these conversations, right? Reach 10. We want you to reach out to people, talk about these things. Um, I think that something that was huge in in my husband's life was that he always felt like I'm this horrible, bad person and I can never tell anyone about this. But once he did, he found out there are people he loved and respected and admired who struggled with pornography. And once you realize that, you don't feel so alone. You feel like this is something I can do if other people are going through it too. And so just know you're not alone in this. My call to action would be for you to just start talking. Whether you are somebody who views pornography, it's important to start talking. Tell your partner about it. Don't let them find out on their own. That's one of the most heartbreaking things that happens to people. Make sure that they hear it from you. It's always going to be a much better conversation if they hear it from you. And if you are somebody who who has a partner who struggles with pornography, ask them those hard questions, try to understand their experience and what they're going through. Um, It's one of the most healing things that you can do. Love it. Thank you so much for that call to
0: action. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much, Bree.
0: Love that. And I want to include another resource that we want to highlight again on this podcast. We've talked a little bit about it in the past, um, but it's a new book by Laura Brotherson, who is a marriage and family therapist. And it's called From Honeymoon to Happily Ever After. And it is such a great book, no matter what stage of your relationship you're in, whether you just started dating or you're engaged or you just got married or you've been married for a couple years you've been married for 10 years however long you've been married it's a great book because it it just provides a lot of really good conversations and questions to talk about and it helps you to like look at your patterns and your past and it is it, just a really phenomenal resource which would be so helpful in that beginning stage of your relationship, but again, it's never too late to have those conversations. So have the conversation and that book can be a really good resource for you. And so we will link that as well as the resources that Brie has brought up. Bree, we are so grateful for you. We're so grateful for, again, just your willingness to share about your experience, honored to, to be a witness and to have you on our podcast and grateful for just you and your light. Thank you for listening to breaking the silence by reach 10 help us create a new culture of connection by sharing what you heard today with at least 10 people. Please help us reach more young adults by going to iTunes to rate and review our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Reach 10 is a nonprofit. You can help support this podcast by donating on our website and following us on social media. We share these views to open the dialogue on these tough issues. We are not professionals and the ideas shared on this podcast should not be taken as professional advice. The opinions and views that our hosts and guests share do not necessarily reflect the views of Reach 10 and we don't guarantee the accuracy of any statements you hear. Reach 10 is not responsible for your use of information heard on this podcast. We keep learning and invite you to join us as we build a more open, compassionate and courageous culture.